Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hi, guys. It's Judy. Okay, singing. <laughs> it's 2019. That's pretty great. Are you, reg- is, are you ready? This is Sana, not singing. Not singing. I'm yeah. excited. It's 2019. We've Super got... excited. <laughs> we made it. We did it. We survived 2018 somehow. Let's see what happens in like two days when everything falls apart all over again. But this year's going to be great because we've got a lot of amazing things happening. And not only that, we have two amazing women joining us. Lorraine Sink. That's me. This is my voice. You hear me. I'm Lorraine. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> It's a beautiful voice. A, right? a normal, voice. organic way to introduce yourself. Organic. Are we going? Well, you are wearing an egg sweater. I am. It makes me feel sunny side up. You definitely come across as a twelve-year-old girl <laughs> right now. That is just my voice. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, I don't. I'd be surprised if you don't. Lorraine, who has been on this podcast many a times, is the host of Earth's Mightiest Show plus Marvel Minute. Plus, what else? So many things. You're I, so busy all I, the time. I don't know. They, I just show up places and people put a camera down. <laughs> and then I talk as much as they'll let me. Yeah, That's pretty much it. And now author. Well, yes. I guess third time author. But also my first solo book. So that's yeah. exciting. It's a very, very big deal. I'm excited to talk about it, too. too. And we've also got Preeti Chipper. Hi. Which Yay. I accidentally almost said chipper. <laughs> oh, no. But you do seem very chipper. You're the I chipper am. chipper. I am the chipper I can't even say it. <laughs> well, you're also chipper for like jet lagged, which you're I think very is, jet is, a, is a gold star. <laughs> so, Preeti, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the audiences out there what you, what you do. I do a lot. So, I'm a YA author and I am also co hosting a few podcasts Strong Female Characters for the Sci Fi Network and They See Geek Girls, which is a podcast about like geek culture but from a feminist Indian perspective. Um, That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so when I came across you, I was just very excited about the fact that one, you actually called a podcast Daisy Geek Girls, You're trying to mainstream Daisy, which I appreciate. Daisy, for you guys out there, is basically a slang term for South Asian. It's how we refer to one another. Yeah, it makes it easy. And But also the fact that you are also a geek girl like me, which is cool. There's not many of us. No, there aren't. But you know what was kind of nice was after we launched the podcast, which I do with my buddy Swapna Krishna, people were like, oh, my God, like, I'm a nerd and I'm Daisy. And I was like, yeah. where have you been all my yeah. life? <laughs> it's great. I love, I love that we've been able to connect with different kinds of nerds. It's a spectrum of nerds out there. See, I first knew you as Run With Skizzers from Twitter because you crush the internet. That's a fact. I just enjoy you as a human being. And I'm glad you've come into my real life. I feel like I have to explain. I didn't know Twitter was going to be important when I signed up for it. Oh, oh same. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. You know. Sada's so name like, is very important yeah, at this yeah. point. Mine is like my AIM screen name yep. from when I was in like yep. undergrad. And so now I'm like, people are like, what's your Twitter handle? I'm like, not my name. It's, it's very bad for PR. Like if I had a publicist, he or she would hate me. <laughs> yeah. No, Lorraine's not. the only one in this room doing it right. Oh, no, that's just because I doubled down and I was like, this is the one thing I won't forget. <laughs> <laughs> my first and last name. But then sometimes it's bad because I'll, I'll use my real name like on video games and stuff, which is probably not a good idea. It should probably be like Joe Bob. Four five nine. No, yeah, you definitely, <laughs> you should definitely <laughs> go with what, what, what video games are you signing up for? She needs to like be on your oh. Xbox. Or yeah. at, you know? <laughs> Anyways, the point of today is we're going to talk about writing and authors, especially as uh, Lorraine's new book comes out in a few weeks, and 
Preeti, you will have an announcement you can talk I, about. Yeah, it's soon. very exciting. Yes. <laughs> but like for the theme of 2019 that we're really looking into is going from 2018 where we talked about allies and we're going to talk about community here and how important communities are. I think for authors specifically sort of now, there's so many people online, specifically authors, and how they come together and you can interact with your favorite author online, which I think is amazing. So first and foremost, let's talk a little bit about your book, Lorraine, because okay. it comes out soon. Yeah, on February 5th, and it's available for pre-order now. Not that I'm telling you to buy it, but please, Lord, buy it. Um, no, I'm excited. It's called Powers of a Girl. And it's uh, all female Marvel superheroes and talking about them and using their stories to empower and inspire people of all walks of life. And it is so beautiful. The illustrations. Oh, yeah. the art. Remind yeah. me of the artist. Alice X. Zhang. Oh, my gosh. Please. Her last name is spelled Z-H-A-N-G. She is outrageously, incredibly talented. I can't believe how blessed we are to have her. Her work is just unreal. It's kind of painterly. It's lots of gorgeous, saturated colors. And all of the portraits, incredible. And I also was such a mean writer because I kept being like, you know, it'd be really cool if we could like add more pictures. But she did so many additional images on top of the portraits. She also did like best friend portraits where America Chavez is hanging out with Kate Bishop and they're like posing like besties, hanging out in the car and all of those like little wish lists. And it's as a writer, it's just so fun to be like, here's my wish list of every character I want to see and how I want to see them. And like if you could just give me 50 more. So my editor kind of funneled out a lot of those. But. Well, yeah, you had to call down a significant amount. I feel like the original list was pretty massive. Because you guys kind of thought about it differently, right? Like you categorize like which characters, what they're all about, and sort of why you love them or why audiences should love them. Yeah, the, I think the book is kind of structured in a fun way, which is in my introduction of the book and what it is, I talk about the sort of lessons we can learn. So empathy, integrity, those different sorts of qualities. And then we kind of sorted the girls into their houses of gifts, we'll say. Uh, so like Squirrel Girl is a wonderfully empathetic character. She solves problems creatively by using her emotional intelligence and using those sort of stories, not only to categorize her, but to pull in other characters that are strong in empathy, like Mantis, who's a literal empath. So why don't you tell people where the title came from? Well, it is based on a Ryan Q. North quote from Squirrel Girl because she has the powers of both squirrel and girl. And Powers of a Girl is, of course, a one of my favorite sort of Squirrel Girl things. It's like, oh, yeah. And obviously, the best part, Powers of a Girl. I yeah. feel like that line like rivals great power, great responsibility. You know right? what I mean? Like Powers of Squirrel and Powers of a Girl. I feel like that's just such an awesome mission statement and i would say that her powers of a girl are more powerful yeah. for the way that she works as a superhero i mean totally yes she can call an army of squirrels to beat up dr doom but also she can save the literal earth by talking galactus out of eating it and just eating nuts for a snack so like <laughs> you know she's creative she, she is literally my favorite character. <laughs> uh, same though. I, well, I love I, I love the focus on food. Like any type of any time we focus on food with any of our characters, I feel like that's that gets me. And there's a reason Kamala's always eating. <laughs> it's very relatable. It's very relatable. <laughs> so Preeti, can you sort of tease a little bit about your upcoming project? I think I'm allowed to say one sentence, which is. 
it's tied into the new Spider-Man movie, and it is about Peter and Ned. And that's all I'm allowed to say. But it's really exciting because I've, like, Spider-Man is my absolute, hands-down, favorite, favorite character. And I've been dying to, like, get my hands on being able to write anything. And so this is... It's a kid's book. It's really fun and funny, which I was excited about. But yeah, I think that's all I'm allowed to say. Can I ask questions too? I just want to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so is this going to be a similar book to like Brandon T. Snyder did for Cosmic Quest and those kinds of like a young YA novel kind of situation? No, no. It's, it's middle grade, which means like I get to make the silliest jokes. Like, every time I was like, is this too ridiculous? My editor was like, no, this is perfect. It's exciting. That's so awesome. Well, let's take a, like a step back based on what Judy was talking earlier and, and us focusing more on community. And what I love about that idea, I mean, it's so broad. And what we've been able to build here, we consider Women of Marvel sort of our own community. And it kind of is what you want to make of it. But so much of it is also... There are aspects of our community which can be really supportive and amazing and incredible, and that's really where you learn how to be a better author, better creator, et cetera. But then there's also aspects of the community work that can be very challenging, whether it's because you are seeing all of the accomplishments other people are doing out there and you're comparing yourself to them, or if they're just, you know, haters. It's a difficult thing. What would you guys consider your essential communities. I mean, obviously there is the larger geek community, but where where is it that you feel like you find strength, inspiration? I think for me, it's a lot of, so I worked in children's publishing for a very long time, and there was a huge diversity movement over the last like four years or so. Uh, and one of those organizations is We Need Diverse Books, which was started by authors of color. And the community I found from specifically women of color who are children's writers was, it's been absolutely imperative to my writing. I wouldn't have gotten any of the opportunities I'd gotten without them, basically. Because publishing specifically is a very, at the higher level, male-dominated field. It's a very white field. And if you don't have your own community of people of color who are there to support one another, it's so hard to get ahead or to achieve what you want to achieve. And have you have you feel like you've actually learned how to become better at your craft through that experience? Yes, because people are so willing to give their time. You know, you always say don't don't be taken advantage of, but when you're in a position to help someone who looks like you or someone who doesn't have the advantages that other people might have to do that. And I think that these writers absolutely do. So anytime I've ever had a question, someone has been absolutely willing to help me without any, you know, I don't have time or, you know, you have to pay me back in some way. It's been invaluable. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Lorraine? As weird as it sounds, the New York comedy community is where I finally fit in. When I moved to New York, I actually was extremely lost um, and I didn't know where to go or where to put my energy because there were a lot of things that I, I loved and I liked and I was just a little a C. And then when I got to the New York comedy community, I was like, oh, these are my weirdos. Like, this is the place where everybody has a different voice and they're willing to kind of put themselves out there. It does tend to be a certain age bracket and a lot of white dudes. But the I found that especially the women of the comedy community 
really show up for each other and fight for each other. And because it's a bunch of comedians, we don't always have the best filter. And that can be really great, honestly, because you're like, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense, right? And you're like, okay, great. Yeah, we're all in it together. We get this and we show up for each other and we're at each other's shows and we support the development of each other's voices. And I think that's where I learned to finally grow and flourish when I got in with my my stone cold weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting to think about an author because so much of writing is you're alone by yourself in a room. Maybe there's an animal, maybe not. But like, how helpful is it, especially in this day and age of social media, for a community to be there to sort of help you continue to write? Because I think that's the one struggle that most authors have is getting the pages done in the time that maybe your editor would like them in by. <laughs> yeah, as an editor, I would like to know. <laughs> like, deadlines. <laughs> deadlines, what's that? What? Yeah. By leaving your community alone, you too can finish your pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm like, somebody text me to make sure I've written 500 words in the last half hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, I fully, like, kind of have to go internal to get anything done but I'm also like an introvert hardcore like I go into my little cocoon at night and I am so happy to just recharge in that little pod um, I'm like a very outgoing <laughs> introvert but is it an actual pod uh, is, is, wait. I cannot confirm or deny because <laughs> that just sounds amazing and I want one it is a blanket cocoon um, <laughs> I mean I think it is one of the nicest things ever is there's an amazing comedian named Keisha Zoller who was so supportive of me. And she'd be like, do you want to write this thing? Do you want me to check in with you every single week and I'll make sure you hit your deadline? And I was like, you'll do that for me? She's like, yeah, if you're serious about it, I will do it for you. And that was crazy amazing. So agreed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like I have that person and it's Sona Charapotra, who's a YA author. Same thing. She was like, I will message you every week to make sure that you've done the work. And I'm like, yes. Do you also do peer review where, I mean, aside from making sure that you get your deadlines done, but are you sending people, like, do you have trusted people that yes. you'll send your work to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, flat out. Angelique Rocher, who does Marvel's Voices, is a very good friend of mine before she ever worked at Marvel. And when I was writing Monica Rambeau, that whole section, I was like, you know what would be really great is a perspective of not only someone who knows a lot about comics, but is also a woman of color who's also from New Orleans <laughs> and knows a ton about this and also understands that experience in a way that I cannot. And I want her insight. And so she was very instrumental in writing that particular section of my book to have her insight, I think is so important and appreciated. What do you think is the biggest challenge, though, in writing? <laughs> I I just gave actually me a writing <laughs> I know, yeah. I was like, yeah doing it <laughs> pen um, to paper yeah maybe sometimes believing in your own work can be really difficult something that was hard with the new Peter Parker Spider-Man book was that I wasn't allowed to send it to anybody and so it was just me reading it so every time I sent a draft to my editor I'd be like I don't know if this is good because only I've read it and that that's really hard I think to like believe in your own ability to to write a good sentence. I think that's so true. It's like turning off the little chatter in yeah. your head that's like, you shouldn't do this. You yes. can't do this. You know who else could do it better? Anyone else? Right. Like, there is that voice that you have to just be like, mm-hmm. if you could be quiet so I could write this sentence, <laughs> that would be rad. The creative writing <laughs> process is like, oh my God, I'm brilliant. It's like, oh my God, I'm the worst writer. <laughs> Cleanse this with fire in the end. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. possible. It, it was not that, that though. Yeah. 
you have to, to, to finding a way to kind of disconnect yourself from the actual production, right? Or you just are like, well, that got sent. Click send on that. (laughs) It is what it is. I think it's so important that you click send because like so much, I mean, as someone who does it is not an author. I'm really good at production schedules and keeping people on schedule and budget. But like writing an actual like thing that makes sense more than that is beyond me. But like I meet so many people who want to be writers, but you guys are legitimately doing it. You have books. They are things. And I think that's great. (laughs) I'm like, are we? Am I? But you are. Because you click send. Also, I have to say, you're a writer of like many things. It's not like you're like, ooh, sentences. Here's a new thing. Like you... (laughs) I have read the things you've written. I think that's the thing, too. A book is intimidating because it's, Mm -hmm. like, big. It's long. It says book. It's four letters that seem like a big, big deal. But at the end of the day, it is just writing little bit, little bit, little bit. Because, you you know, it's a meal. You can't eat it in a mouthful. You have to take one bite at a time and finish the meal. So it's hard to accept the whole author title because you're like, yeah, me and Tolkien or whatever, but... <laughs> yeah, it's like cap- all of a sudden you're like a capital W writer. And yeah. when before you were just like, yeah, I write things on the internet. Well, there's a sense of like, of belief. A lot of people say they're a writer, right? Mm-hmm. Capital W writer, as you say. But actually believing that not only have you written just one thing that you're going to continue to write and that you have more that you want to do, I think internalizing that can probably take some time. But I think the trick there then is cultivating that voice. Like, who are you? Who is Lorraine? Who is Preeti as a writer? What is your voice? What is the thing that you want to... Uh, unfortunately, you want to it's see. just like this. It's, you're it's you're like an little, egg. It's like a little too high pitched for an adult woman. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. An egg with red hair. Yeah, it, I am wearing an egg sweater. I mean, I think my voice is just me talking, but it's like a lot of goofiness with like a lot of feelings underneath it. I think is basically who I am as a. As an egg woman, as an adult red-haired egg woman. Um. <laughs> a beautiful red-headed egg woman. <laughs> Please. Well, I mean, if you insist. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's who it is. Because just like in my book, I tackle some issues. I kind of was like, am I going to be able to write about this? Like I talked about Mary Jane's miscarriage and how that is part of a, of life for many people. And, and those kinds of things that it's like a big topic but I was very excited to be like okay we're gonna like talk about our feelings and squirrel girl and how she's rad and she has fun with her friends but also we're gonna talk about these things that are like real issues in the real world so I think that's somewhere in there what about you Preeti I think that we're coming up on this you know finally getting a voice as South Asian women in our media which is exciting you know for so long it was all that kids could relate to in terms of when they saw a brown kid was Indiana Jones, which, ugh, like, <laughs> can't, or Bollywood. Those were, like, the two options. There was never an Indian kid who had an American accent. And so my goal is to represent those kids who, you know, are reading the books and they're they're picking up you know, middle grade and YA and so rarely getting to see themselves, which is, it's changing. You know, you have When Dimple Met Rishi or My So-Called Bollywood Life. There are books coming out, but I think there need to be more. We want to have every kind of brown kid in the same way that we have every kind of 
white kid. Um, so, well, let's talk about and amen to that, obviously, from on a very biased note, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about I love I love young adult books, right? I grew up on them, and I, it's a genre I kind of always go back to for whatever reason. But what is it about that community that is so much fun and inspiring and awesome to you guys? I think that everyone can relate to coming of age, and that's why people love YA. Something like Catcher in the Rye, it's a coming of age book, right? I know there's a sense that like, ugh, YA, it's for kids. But every book, I think YA has pushed, and middle grade and picture books, you know, kid lit in general has pushed this idea of what it means to represent kids because one, there's there's money in those audiences. Like there's money to be spent. And two, these are formative years. You know, you don't want to drop off in reading because the kids can't relate to it. And so what's awesome about the community is recognizing that fact. So there's so many more voices and stories being told when you think about like the hate you give being number one on that list for like two years. Yeah, yeah. Six years ago, I don't know that that book would have been given the chance that it's been given with the marketing and with all the money spent on it. Mm-hmm. She she did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yes, all of that agreed. And also, I think just on a personal note, I think the reason why YA is so interesting to me is that I actually once heard this story that there was this like very sad story about these young people who fell madly in love and when their parent they were 12 and they their parents tried to tell them they couldn't see each other anymore and it was like a very Romeo and Juliet story and how broken up these kids were and adults were very quick to be like you're 12 you'll get over it but the thing about being 12 years old is that you've never experienced love so when you experience love for the first time you have no idea that anything could be as beautiful or as painful or as wonderful and I think that's what's so great about YA is it's the first time that anyone is experiencing those things it's the first time they experience romance or deep-seated pain or an apocalypse or whatever it might be, depending on the genre. But I think those new experiences are so delicious to get to read. I totally, totally agree with you because I actually remember when I was younger and I used to like hide under my bed, like after I was supposed to go to sleep and like trying to finish like whatever book I was reading. But the biggest thing was that because I was so sheltered from like the world because you know my family was conservative and it's the only girl and all these things I was experiencing the entire world and what was happening like through whatever book I was reading and unfortunately through the really crappy magazines that I was getting like Tiger Beat and <laughs> oh my god t- sassy sassy, sassy. Yeah. yeah wasn't <laughs> your walls covered in yeah. t- like it was it was it was not my walls were covered with different quotes like really bad quotes. I remember. I think I, I did a quote also from like Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio version. That's though. my favorite movie. Yes, it's so, so good. I think that one of the lines were like, "I defy you, stars." Yes. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god." I- <laughs> No, I think about the art I did when I was like 13 and it was dramatic. Um. <laughs> always dramatic. But, you know, I will say those experiences did start formulating who I was and who I wanted to be and what I wanted to feel. And it definitely taught me a lot. It was sort of this mini education. And, you know, I was curious about a lot. I actually ended up infusing that sentiment, sentimentality into my college essay, which was... <laughs> 
It was a picture of my face. I drew a face, but the face, the lines were actually words, like different phrases that encapsulated who I was because I was such an emo. That's awesome. That is. That's I mean, amazing. I got into college. <laughs> right. That's amazing. That is yeah. so good. Uh, it says so much about you. That it says great. everything about me. I mean, one of the things I love about Way is because growing up, I felt like I was in a hurry to grow up. And so when I was in seventh grade, I was already reading like college level books. I was reading like Man in the Iron Mask. I was reading these like high intense books that I skipped over the books attended for my age group. So I didn't come back to them till I was like in college and older. And I felt like I enjoyed them more because- Like what, like Sweet Valley High? Oh, oh. Did you miss that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I definitely, I read a lot of Sweet Valley High, but like, I mean, obviously Harry Potter, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I went back and read that and it was just like, I get why people like this. And I feel like I get, it, I get it better because I'm an adult now. You can relate more to the moments in time in but, YA when you're an adult. But there's sometimes you're like, because I always have to remind myself when I'm reading YA as an adult to not get angry at the teenager, where you're like, just tell an adult. <laughs> <laughs> just tell somebody. Wow, you're so mature. No, <laughs> it took a long time. Because I get so mad. Like, the fifth Harry Potter book, like, kills me. <laughs> so I'm like, just talk to somebody. But now I'm like, no. 15, he's angry. Well, we, okay. <laughs> well, if we applied that logic, then like Miles Morales and Kamala like should be calling Captain America every exactly. single time, but Honestly, they don't. Honestly, they should. Like, what are no, you doing? See, that's the point is like when you're 15, you're like, I'm not telling my parents anything. Yeah. Oh, no. My friends and I definitely once almost drove a car off a cliff, and we did not call an adult. You know what we did? We used reverse. It was very dangerous. Don't do this. Just call AAA. (laughs) But that's what you do. You're like, oh. That's at your parents, the AAA. Also, your brain's not fully developed. You're making choices without all the the stats, you know? But that's why it's so believable, yes. right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, as people that have wrote things, <laughs> no, but, you know, as authors, do you have sort of advice for people who, who want to write? It is a tricky world, and, and there's so many different spectrums within writing, right? You could write editorially online. You could write a, you know, 400-page book. You could write a 20-page children's book. But, like, I, I don't know, like 130 130- Word tweet, too. That's true. That's hard. 130 word tweet. (laughs) Donna. Whatever it is. You kids with your internet. (laughs) Please don't write any 130 word tweets. (laughs) Unless it's just the over and over again. Well, speaking of Twitter, no, I do tweet about it a lot, actually. Since finishing the book, I'm like, okay, guys, this is what you got to do. If you want to write anything... Schedule some time in which to do it and then actually sit down and do it. That's how that works. It sounds stupidly easy, but honestly, the hardest thing is just finding time to do it and not prioritizing it. So when I was writing, I have a full-time job, like a very full-time job, and I would get up every morning at five in the morning. I would write for two hours before I got dressed, and then I would write for 10 hours every day on the weekend because I had like four months. And that's like what I had to do. And I was very tired, but not that everybody used to do that, but just schedule like a few hours weekly to do it. And then when you hear all of the monster voices being like, why have you chosen this for your life? 
get out. Uh, just keep writing. Or, or walk around in a circle and then sit back down or keep writing. Very impressed with people who can get up at 5 in the morning and write. Uh, I only did it out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been asleep. Um, I guess I agree with all of that, not the 5 a.m. thing, because I just... Like, what is that, that's right? That's really good. <laughs> I can't write at night. I'm too tired. Yeah, I, I have to write. I, you find pockets of time. Pocket, like, I will write on the Notes app on my phone on the subway if something, you know, comes to me. But I think find your community. That's always been super helpful. Um, and oftentimes you'll find people who write together, who have their writers groups, who go on writing retreats together. It's That always helps me sort of, like, in, like forcing myself to, like, if I don't do the work, be embarrassed because I've told a friend I'm going to do the work. Um, That's also what an editor does. <laughs> yeah. They shame you if your pages aren't That's in. True. That's true. <laughs> yes, we do. We like it, too. <laughs> what happens when you guys are blocked? When you're like, I don't know how to get the next, my God, forget the next few pages, the next page done. Do you have a process for that to try to get around it? I skip around. I'm just like, okay, I like keep hitting this nail and it's just bending every which way and it's not going in the board. I'll just skip ahead to something or I'll, or I'm like, oh, maybe I'll write out some structure. Like these are my beats that I want to hit and then that will free me because sometimes it's the big, huge scope of like, there are a million things I could do. What am I going to do? If I know, well, there are four things I want to actually do that's in my, my beats that I want to hit. Let's just focus on one of those and then I can kind of like unlock myself a little. Um, I take it to my writer's group. I take it to the people that I trust to read my work because I find that talking it out helps me because sometimes I get too in my own brain about it where you're like, I could go this way, I could go this way. There are so many different avenues. So sitting down and working it out with people who care about your work. How important is it for you to read? You know, as someone who went to art school, like it was so, I was told by everyone to look at as much art as physically possible. Like reading, does it does it help you to read different styles, to read not, if you're writing fiction, to read nonfiction? Like how does? Um, I think you should be well-versed in the field you're choosing to enter. So read a ton before you start writing. Like make sure you know what kind of, the gold standards are, like what people have done. Um, and then once you start writing, maybe step back. I have this dangerous thing that I do whenever I read something. I sometimes get very, very invested. I get like tunnel vision on it. Um, like I read the Lady Trent memoirs, which are about a dragon naturalist who studies dragons in this Victorian era. And for like two weeks, I was writing emails like, hello, darling. <laughs> and I I just feel like if I read something that's got heavy genre, I start to be like, or I was went back and I was reading a bunch of Jane Austen books. And I'm like, this is terrible. I am <laughs> like, no one talks like this. So for me, I have to also, I find it valuable to invest in the world that I'm writing in. So if I know I'm writing in Victorian England, then I do want to read Jane Austen or whatever. <laughs> but maybe not if I'm writing like a crazy future something. So if you write to me and start saying, like, dither, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading know, something new. I know, yes. I, I suddenly, everything is like, the flowers were lilacs. And I'm like, <laughs> why? No one wants this much detail in an email. They're just like, did you get the pages <laughs> or whatever? My fear is that, and I completely agree with that, I think you have to be able to know the content before you do the content. But sometimes I worry that maybe I'll get too influenced mm -hmm. by it, right? Like, oh, is that the way that I need to be? Is that the best thing? And I think the struggle is like how you pull yourself away from that and be able to say, oh, no, that's great and that's different. That's not me. Mm -hmm. 
it's about you as the writer and giving out what you want to give voice to. You can read all these other books, and, and when I say read them, I, I mean just so that you have a knowledge base. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting down to write, it really should be what's unique about you because there are more books being published than ever before. And so you have to bring your own perspective to it. Yeah. And I just love what you said. It reminds me of a Neil Gaiman quote, which he wrote, like, no one else can tell your story yeah. and everyone has an individual story. So every story should be told. Oh. Yeah. I'm, he said it so much better than <laughs> I, and, and to be honest, I kind of ruined it. So it's so much better when he says it. Um, but I think that's like, the beautiful thing. I agree with you because you said it first. <laughs> community, guys. Yeah. Community. I feel like this is a great way to, to end this podcast. This was amazing. I hope everyone at home was having as much fun as we were. Um, where can our followers find you guys on the social medias? You can find Preeti <laughs> at Runs with Skizzers. I am at Run with Skizzers basically everywhere that the internet exists. That's R-U-N. You should make that your middle name. W-I-T-H-S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. I forgot it already. What? No, say it again. <laughs> no, I love it. Please follow her online. She's incredible. No, follow Lorraine. You already know that my handle is always my name. <laughs> if it's not my name, it's not me. <laughs> It could be, unless it's Joe Bob. It's Joe Bob 645. <laughs> and make sure you guys go pick up Marvel Powers of a Girl. It's on sale February 5th. You can pre-order it now on the Amazons and wherever books are sold, right? Truth. And then follow Preeti so that you know when her book comes out. The mysterious book the that we can't really talk about. The mysterious Spider-Man book that's coming out soon. soon. And also listen to all her podcasts because she's great. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of... You work on a book. <laughs> you wrote you a wrote a book where you wrote a story in what's the name of the title? So the name of the book, it's an anthology called A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, and it's all Asian American authors writing stories that that are about Asian um, Asian mythology. And what is your story in particular? My story yeah. is called Girls Who Twirl and Other Dangers. Yeah. Uh, I like that title. That's a good yeah. title. <laughs> Thank you. And it is about three girls going to celebrate Navratri, which is like my favorite Hindu holiday. The mythology behind it is this goddess Durga, who basically is the only person who can defeat this very evil demon. Like, no one else can do it. But to celebrate, we go dancing. And it's so fun. It's the kind of dancing where you go so hard, the next day you're like, I'm never going to be able to walk again. <laughs> Ever. And so I wanted to share a part of my religion and my culture that isn't usually seen in um, Indian stories in America because people know Diwali. They know like the big, big ones, but Navratri is just so awesome. But thanks so much for, you know, coming on and talking about authors and writing and it's great. Thanks again to Preeti for joining us and Lorraine because we've got some exciting news. This year is the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. And as part of that, we're doing some amazing stuff across all the different platforms, including the Women of Marvel, where we're going to be talking about historical female characters and sort of their origin stories. And Lorraine's going to bring all the history to us. Yeah, that's right. Every month I am going to do a little deep dive into some interesting female characters. I'm going to start off with Marvel Comics number one 
talking about the ladies that it introduced into the Marvel Universe and where we have gone in the last 80 years, which is a lot of years. It is a lot of years. I mean, it's pretty exciting. All three of us have been here for a substantial period of time of our lives. So we've experienced, you know, different anniversaries, but we're doing a big celebration across all different platforms, including publishing. Yeah. And what's really exciting is publishing is doing a different type of celebration every month. So it's going to be covering a different decade in Marvel's history. And there's some really awesome projects that we have not announced yet, but we're beginning to announce them uh, one by one. And I personally, just as a fan, I'm excited to see all of the different kinds of content that they're working on because they're cooking up some some cool things. And also, it's just a great way for you to just get reintroduced to the Marvel Universe and learn a little bit about where we came from and where we're going to go. So lots of different kinds of stories, but also some amazing authors that we're pulling in. Both authors working in Marvel right now, but also some throwbacks, some of our legends. So it's going to be a really big and important year. And we're doing tons up here at Marvel New Media. Um, Lorraine can talk all about Earth's Mighty Show, that stuff's got going. We've got This Week in Marvel, obviously Women of Marvel. We're going to be doing stuff across all of our platforms, including Marvel's Voices, Marvel 101, Marvel Becoming, Marvel Quick Draw, you name it. Make sure you're subscribing to Marvel.com on all of our different platforms and channels and come back for Lorraine to tell us about history. 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 It's in the past. (laughs) You've said that before, I feel like. (laughs) It's funny every time you say it. Uh, I think Lorraine is uh, the perfect person to be actually being our historical correspondent because she also has, as we talked about in the podcast, the powers of a girl. So she, you know, like all of the things in the Marvel Universe, particularly all of the awesome badass female superheroes that we have. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. For writing my book, Powers of a Girl, I spent a lot of time researching and specifically really deep diving into the ladies of Marvel and their history. So I'm just excited to get to share some of that stuff, especially some of the kooky, weird old stuff. It's so fun to get into. Yeah, so this is a perfect time for you guys to learn all about Marvel, but specifically our our Marvel ladies. Uh, And we're actually going to be doing some special episodes on Women of Marvel. Um, We're going to bring some historians in to talk about specific decades that were really important for female creators and female characters. So stay tuned for that uh, throughout 2019. But that's it. Thanks for listening. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, you can email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel with hashtag women of marvel. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram at the woman of marvel. We'll see you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.